2: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Joined by former Secretary of State of the United States, the Honorable Mike Pompeo. Good morning, Mr. Secretary. Welcome back to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Good morning,
0: Hugh. It is great to be back with you.
2: Thank you for joining me. Just to set the stage for those who have not heard anything and been in a cave for a day. On Wednesday, President Biden at an infamous now press conference said two things I'd like you to comment on. First, cut number 42. I'm not so sure that he has. uh... David, I'm not so sure he has uh, is certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. And then cut number 43. Oh, I think what you're going to see is that it, Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. They have been trying desperately to clarify this, Secretary Pompeo, since he uttered those two sentences. What did you make of the press conference? What do you make of its
0: aftermath? Well, Hugh, more importantly than what I think, I think uh, President Zelensky spoke to this very directly. There are no minor nations. There are no minor incursions to have said that, to have said that out loud, whether there were discussions in the background, probably with the Germans, about how we were going to respond given the nature of what Vladimir Putin might do. I I understand those conversations, but to, to have done this, it's more than green light. It, it tells the world that the United States is not prepared to do the things that it has already promised to do, let alone making additional promises right we We have this commitment we've told the ukrainians we'll do the things we can to do to defend them and to say well there there are minor incursions, and we may not be able to get this done is truly concerning Vladimir Putin, I think knew this already in some sense he wasn't enlightening Putin. I think he knew that President Biden has demonstrated his unwillingness to defend the things that the Trump administration did, and we've lost the deterrence model that we had for four years. But it was really quite something to hear a president of the United States say that uh, the former KGB agent, leader of Russia, an authoritarian dictator who has already moved into Kazakhstan, Belarus, into the Donbass, has room to grow and room to expand on his old Warsaw Pact network was really quite something. And I think the world took note. You can be sure that the Ukrainian people did
2: now, Mr. Secretary, I, this is your world from the CIA and the State Department and not the world of me or my listeners. Does Vladimir Putin now feel obliged to move or look weak to his people? And does yesterday's uh, attempt to repair the political damage oblige Joe Biden to respond disproportionately to anything? And in, in other words, did did the whole thing get blown up
0: yesterday, two days ago? Uh, it's a fair question. I don't think this changes Vladimir Putin's calculus materially. Uh, I think it, it reaffirms what he already knew. But he, his risk benefit analysis probably didn't change us. I think he had a good handle on the fact that uh, his movement uh, will have a relatively safe space and is unlikely to meet steel until he's accomplished at least some, if not all, of the things he wants. Whether that's through rolling tanks and a motorized rifle division into Ukraine, if, if you think about the geography, you right, his, it's likely that what he would try to do is capture Odessa, right? He would move to the west to try to cut off Ukraine, to cut it off from uh, having access to ports and waterways. It's thinkable that you could uh, see the, the troops that he's moved into Belarus. It's not far to Kaliningrad. For those listening, it's a, an old Soviet vestige of a deal that was cut before uh, that sits astride uh, Europe. It's not far from western Belarus to, to make this trip along the Lithuanian border to get there. I think that's probably a bridge too far. But to hear President Biden say, this is great and he now must do this, I think misses the point. Putin's going to do what makes sense for Vladimir Putin and his oligarchs. And he now believes he can do it against the United States, not prepared to do the simple things of supporting our European allies in the region and providing the defensive weapon systems that the Ukrainians need will ultimately need to carry this fight.
2: Uh, Mr. Secretary is on after the press conference with Brett Baer on special report. And I tried to to indicate it's a major deal. I brought up Dean Acheson's January 1950, Press Club speech, which apparently green-lighted in the eyes of many North Korea's invasion of South Korea. Ambassador O'Brien on the show yesterday compared it to the July 25th meeting between Saddam Hussein and Ambassador and April Glispie.
0: Yeah. What,
2: what do you think it is?
0: Yeah, it, you can't clean this up, Hugh. Uh, I saw this in my four years as Secretary of State. The president's speak, their words are understood. When his team goes out afterwards and says, no, that's not what he means, they go back and watch the tape. We know precisely what President Biden was thinking and talking about there, and so does the entire world. It certainly has ramifications for the Ukrainian people, for the region, for our friends in Eastern Europe, Poland, and in the Baltics. But I think the whole world saw a president go on and said, look, there are things you can get away with now that you couldn't get away with a few years ago. And this portends real risk for the United States and our interests around the world as a result of this. You you, you can't clean it up, Hugh. No, no chief of staff, no White House spokesperson, no uh, – Uh, Off the record, Deputy National Security Advisor can fix what the President of the United States told the world that day.
2: Now, in minor incursion in Putin's mind, do you think that would include Lithuania or the disputed portion? They're not in dispute, but Putin attempts to dispute the uh, portions of the Baltic uh, borders. Do you think minor incursion encourages him to
0: look there? (laughs) I don't think Vladimir Putin thinks in terms of minor or major incursion. (laughs) I think he sees it that way. He sees the dissolution of the Soviet Union as the greatest calamity of last century, and he's aiming to fix it. If he has to do so piecemeal and chunk by chunk, this will be his plan. And so it was Crimea uh, six years ago. and I think his efforts in the Donbass over the last years are continuing to lay the base. You see the troop movements, you see equipment moving in, the equipment moving in as well to uh, Belarus and into Western Russia. This portends uh, Vladimir Putin, who has made a decision that he's going to push just as far as he can until he meets resistance. He doesn't say, I'm going to do a major incursion or a minor incursion. He says, I'm going to go achieve the imperialistic agenda that I have for my country.
2: Now, we have to think about the Chinese Communist Party as well, Mr. Secretary, about Taiwan, about the Senkaku Islands, about islands off the Philippines that are part of the Philippines. Did that statement register in Beijing?
0: This was my point about others around the world hearing this as well. Certainly the Chinese Communist Party would observe that. Uh wouldn't surprise me at all if Chairman Kim observed that too and might decide to do what uh, they alluded to yesterday, go back to begin to test nuclear weapons again, a very dangerous thing to the United States of America. Certainly every authoritarian regime, whether it's the Ayatollah who is still sitting with our team in Vienna, in spite of the fact he's now fired rockets at places that many Americans are in Abu Dhabi ballistic missiles into our friend and ally of the United Arab Emirates. No, these um, these authoritarian thugs understand one thing. They understand power. Deterrence can only be achieved through strength. And when you see a president say this is a minor incursion and gosh, we know we know he has to do something now to save face, suggesting somehow that the United States would permit this in order to allow Vladimir Putin to save face. Right. This is it, it, the, the implication was, Hugh, that this was inevitable right, that Vladimir Putin had to do this, and gosh darn it, who are we to stop him from this inevitability? Uh, This is is not the kind of talk United States presidents engage in when deterrence is the objective.
2: There's a famous quote, a small country far away and a people about whom we know little. That's Neville Chamberlain describing the giveaway of Czechoslovakia to Hitler in, uh, in the Munich negotiation. Is there an air of appeasement about this administration?
0: We've seen it on multiple fronts whether it was the way in which Afghanistan was abandoned uh, to leave 13 Americans dead and many Americans still behind. Uh, We've certainly seen that with respect to what happened when the Russians shut down our pipelines in Southeast United States when Russian hackers from their own country did that. We we appeased. We said, don't do that again. Uh, We gave the Russians uh, a treaty without asking for anything to start. We allowed them to build out without being sanctioned the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, gaining power over Germany, which in the end... the mission statement for Vladimir Putin. He he will try to strike the fear of God in Germany so that Germany will muck up a NATO response to his efforts in Ukraine. Uh, Yes, I think it's absolutely the case that you can feel an administration not prepared to do the things one needs to do to uh, deter, and that is the inverse of appeasement.
2: At the conclusion of the presser, a a frazzled and uh, dismayed president who was Quite clearly, desperate to turn around the conversation, said this. Cut number 45, please.
0: I wonder what would be the Republican platform
2: right now. What do you think? What do you think their position on taxes are? What do you think their position on on human rights are? I dropped my pen right there, Mr. Secretary, and I know at CAVPAC.com you talk about human rights. What was your position on human rights? Certainly it wasn't giving away Ukraine or going to the Chinese Olympic Genocide Games.
0: We defended the Orthodox Church in Ukraine. We defended uh, the Patriarchate in Turkey. We declared the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to co-opt the Catholic Church and conduct genocide in this country we were. We were proud that we worked on defending the rights of every individual around the world. It doesn't mean putting thousands of soldiers in lots of places, You. It means establishing a benchmark for what America will do to protect not only those people, but the United States itself.
2: Secretary Mike Pompeo, thank you for joining me. To thank follow you. what
0: a great day, sir. You
2: too. To follow what Secretary Pompeo is doing, go to cavpac.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy.
1: The Department of Justice says it's very worried about domestic terrorism. So worried, in fact, that it just created a whole new unit focused on finding and prosecuting domestic terrorists. You should be worried, too. Not because there's any reason to believe there's a big boom in actual domestic terrorism, but because it looks like the DOJ is playing some very ugly politics. Last week, we learned that Education Secretary Miguel Cardona solicited a letter from the National School Boards Association. It compared parents to, you guessed it, domestic terrorists. These were the parents who had shown up to complain about COVID measures and critical race theories beloved by the Biden administration. It paints a disturbing picture of an administration determined to use high office to paint, and worse, prosecute, their political opponents as domestic terrorists. It's abusive, it's un-American, and it must be stopped. I'm Carol Platt-Lebow.
0: Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu